Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. I'm your host, Lewis McParlin, and today I've got a bumper episode for you as we'll be taking a look at each of the 20 League 1 teams set to compete in this year's competition. And instead of a few guests to preview the campaign alongside me, I've brought along 15 to look at each of the clubs. And first up, it's Lee Davy with the champions, Paris Saint-Germain. Wow, what a year for PSG. We're only just a few days removed from the Champions League final and already we're back on it and we are planning ahead for the new season with optimism just to see where this club can go in the new season. So let's just have a quick look down. Look at lockdown. We uh, we have three cases amongst players for COVID-19, one amongst the staff, and uh, they were treated as historic cases as the tests were done in, in, um, in June. And uh, the cases would have arose during the lockdown period in in the spring. So that didn't hinder the players or the staff moving forwards and getting the players ready for the resumption of the Champions League. Positives, cohesive unit. Certainly on Instagram, the players kept fit, you know, during their time off. And they were able to come back and really work together as a team. They were more cohesive, more together than ever, ever seen this team. And that was really positive to see for sure. Some of the disappointments that came from that certainly were the, the, the departures of Cavani and Mernier. We still don't know enough about Cavani and his relationship with the club and why it ended in that way, why he didn't come back to, to play Champions League football. As for Mernier, well, he'd already chosen to play for Borussia Dortmund whilst in the PSG shirt and nobody knew about it. So, you know, I think the, the less said that, the better. And um, I don't think he covered himself in much glory in that situation. But there you go. Objectives for the new season. So, when you've just done a clean sweep of domestic trophies and you've got to a Champions League final, how do you go one better? You win the Champions League. Now, easier said than done, of course. But this is the only way that we're going to see progression of this club. And that, in itself, is progression. Because this club is now not on the head that whole barrier of, of losing at the last 16 stage, getting past the quarterfinal. This is a Champions League finalist team, but you've got to go and do it again and you've got to do it again and you've got to do it again. You've got to show that you deserve to be at the top table of European football and I believe this club can do it, but it will need some additions. It will need some things clearing up off the pitch. Some of those will be contracts to Bernat, Neymar and Bappe. I personally believe Neymar is more likely to... to um, to sign on the dotted line than Mbappe. I genuinely feel in my heart this will be the last season for Mbappe at PSG. I hope not, but I'm not convinced. Where will PSG address elements of their team? So right back, central midfield. Again, two very weak areas and have been for a while. PSG will need to address those this season as they are two very key positions that you can see there's some definite flaws within that. A second striker now, Cavani's gone. Chupo's gone. Why not bring him back for another year? I don't know. Maybe there's something else up Leonardo's sleeve. We'll wait and see. As for Icardi, 65 million euros, but not good enough to play in the biggest games of the season. Where does he fit into Thomas Tuchel's plans? Very interesting to see how that pans out. Will Tuchel even be there next season? Are him and, and, and Leonardo pulling in the same direction? Some would say not. Again, these are some questions that we'll hopefully we'll find the answers out to very, very soon. Also, Key player for me this season, Marquinhos. Now, with Thiago Silva's time in Paris coming to an end, where will things fit in for Marquinhos? He is the vice-captain. Logically, he will take on the captaincy. We still wait and see. I hope he does. He deserves it. He's a fabulous player, as shown in Lisbon. A real leader, a real leader of men. Um, plays multiple positions and plays them very, very well. Um, certainly, he's been the apprentice under Thiago Silva. Now he's ready to take that armband on a full-time basis. I hope he gets it. I'll be looking forward to seeing how he develops himself and how he nurtures this team into being a team of leaders and and seeing where he can go as a captain for this club. But certainly the obvious choice for me, let's see where it goes. I'll have my eye on him. A lot has been said about their European triumphs in recent weeks, but again, Paris are set up for a big year as Thomas Tuchel faces the fan base's pressure to deliver yet another title. Next, we're going to the Auvergne-Rhône-Alpes region of France, a place where you can see Lake Annecy, the Alps, and two teams trying their hardest to bounce back from a pitiful league campaign last year. 
We've got Eric Devin talking about Leon, and then Adam White discussing what lies in store for Claude Puel and his men at Saint-Étienne. It was a bittersweet end to the season for Olympic Lyonnais. They gave in a good performance in the Coupe de la Ligue final, but ultimately fell a little bit short against PSG, despite playing with a fine 3-5-2, the same formation they used to stymie Juventus in the Champions League. And carrying on from that well-organized performance, they moved past Juventus and then Manchester City in the Champions League to reach the semifinals. Fortunately, they fell against Bayern Munich, but nonetheless, Rui Garcia's side appears to have shaken off that defeat and sort of basked in the glow of it, fostering an incredible team spirit, something that this club has been lacking for a little bit of time now, and look ready to face the new season. They've managed to avoid any major injuries or COVID cases coming into this campaign. Their only absence for their opening fixture will be Tino Cadawere, who's unfortunately had to go back to Zimbabwe to deal with uh, the death of a family member. And they look primed to start. And the real question, I think, around this club right now is how do they line up? The 3-5-2 worked really well in terms of keeping tight, keeping things tight at the back and, and frustrating opponents. But the real question is that's effective in the Champions League. But if you're against a Dijon at home, that's a perfect example, a team that's going to sit back and defend. What formation is Rudy Garcia going to use to unlock opposing defenses in Ligue 1? Because goals are going to, what's going to be needed for this team to succeed domestically this season. And I say domestically because there is no European football for Lyon in the first time in a generation. So their focus will have to be in league week in and week out. I think with that, that makes them perhaps one of the most convincing challengers, if one can use that word, for PSG's crown. And they should certainly set the top three and with it, a return to the Champions League as their goal. So keeping that in mind, I, I would see Lyon setting out in a 4-3-3. The club have been on record as saying they want to get another center back. They've been linked with Mohamed Usako, and they need a, a more re- more reliable and younger partner for Jason Denayer and to play a 4-3-3. Uh, there's some exciting young players around the team. Obviously, we saw how well Maxence Kakare played, and there's also the young left back, Melvin Bard, and not to say nothing of Ryan Sharkey. So a lot to look forward to from Leon in terms of giving these young players chances this season, but the real question over this team is how will departures affect this team? All of Hussam Awar, Moussa Dembele, and Memphis Depay have been linked at various stages with moves away from the club, and really the proof would be in the pudding. Leon last season under Rui Garcia, while they did show a good organization, a lot of their match-winning performances came down to individual play, be that on the part of Depay, or be that on the part of Dembele, or even Awar to some extent, uh, reflecting back on his goal against RB Leipzig in the Champions League. So, if Leon can get a more coherent attack together, one that is not so over-reliant on individual quality, building team play in the attacking third, I think they've got a great chance to challenge for the top three. And perhaps if PSG stutter due to lack of their own activity in the, champ- in the transfer window, Leon can maybe even make a fist of taking a challenge of the title. This could be a difficult year for Sanetian. They were lucky not to get relegated last season and sat 17th when the league was cancelled following the COVID-19 stoppage in March. Although French football as a whole lost over a billion euros thanks to the decision not to resume the league, Sanetian, a club already a little under pressure financially, were one of the worst affected. So much so that manager Claude Puel said earlier this month that newly promoted sides like Lens and Lorient or even Brest and Metz can do transfers that we can no longer do. As a result, the entire philosophy of the club has changed. In an unusual move, manager Puel has been made a member of the board alongside long-standing presidents Bernard Casayo and Roland Romier, and has wasted no time in bringing in his own people such as general manager Xavier Thulot and sporting director Jean-Luc Boussin. Sanetian's focus, as Puel has regularly stated this summer, will now be on developing younger players. As Ligue 1's record champions remember, they had been one club to focus on more established quality in recent times, but their model now mirrors much of the rest of the league, as they hope sales like, like that of William Saliba will become commonplace. As a result, bigger names like Tunisian international Wabi Kazri and sellable assets like last season's talisman Denis Bwanga could be gone by the end of the window. Club legend Loic Perran has already retired, while goalkeeper Stefan Rufier has been exiled acrimoniously by Puel. Instead, our listeners should keep an eye out for the likes of promising 18-year-old French youth attacking midfielder Adil Arachiche, who signed from PSG this summer, and centre-back Wesley Fofana, who could already be more exciting a prospect than William Saliba. 
As for objectives, Puel is thinking longer term and would probably settle for a season in mid-table obscurity without the threat of relegation this year. But this can't last forever. They're still Sinetian and expectations remain higher than those they are in truth competing with. If they were to keep their key players from last season, like Kazri, Buwanga and Yanam Villa, they are capable of challenging for a top six spot. But in truth, a mammoth rebuild and redesign of the club starts here and the road could be a long one. Now we're heading north to the region of Bourgogne-Franche-Comté, represented only by Dijon in this year's competition. Talking about the Mustards is Clinton McDubus, and then after it we've got Raphael Jacoban on Bordeaux, another team alone in its representation of its region in the top flight of the country. Dijon have been one of the clubs least affected by COVID-19. They recorded no case during the COVID break, but they did feel the effects somewhat uh, after returning from lockdown because they had two friendlies cancelled. Uh, the friendlies were against teams that discovered COVID cases just before playing against them, uh, Nîmes and Strasbourg. But they still played other friendlies, which were surely sufficient uh, preparation for the new season. Uh, they beat Paris FC 2-0, drew 0-0 with Sochaux, lost 2-1 against Mets and lost 1-0 against RC Lens. In the transform market, they were pretty busy, a lot of activity. Jonathan Panzo was signed from Monaco for 3 million euros. Alex Dobre was signed from Bournemouth for 1 million euros. Eric Bimbe was signed on loan from PSG. Uh, Pape Cheik was signed on loan from Lyon. Anibal Chala was signed on loan from Toluca. And Aurelien Schiedler returned from his loan at US Orleans. So, uh, a lot of activity, a lot of, um, players have come in and going out as well we saw a lot of exits uh, Naif Aguer was signed by a run for 4 million euros Florent Balmont retired um, Brian Sumari was sent out on loan to Sochaux uh, Hamza Mendil uh, Stephen Vididi and Jean Dacadiz ended their loans and returned to their parent clubs um, Enzo Loyadis uh, returned from his loan but was allowed to leave on a free transfer it has also been reported that uh, staff forward and captain Julio Tavares could be on his way out to a new club. If that does go through, it will be a big loss for them because Tavares has been very influential in attack for them. He is a handful for opponents and it will be a big loss. So uh, it's a somewhat new squad or at least a new look 11 for them. Uh, one expects that they would still be caught up in the fight against relegation, of course, just like last season. But uh, this time, expectations might be a bit higher. They should be expected to be out of the battle early enough uh, if it does happen. Uh, perhaps by the 30th week of the season, they should be uh, pretty safe. Um, the player to watch is definitely Munich Uyere. Uh, who is so full of flair and creativity. He's an absolutely fantastic player. Brilliant player he is, and he's a joy to watch. Um, surely there will be many eyes on him this season because there's been a lot of buzzing about him already, and um, a lot of clubs around Europe will take notice. He could be the guy that Dijon will sell for a very big fee in the near future depending on how they negotiate, of course. Uh, his partnership with, with um, Eric Ebimbe, who is on loan from PSG, is one to watch out for, as they have the burden of making things happen for Dijon in the final third. They looked very impressive together against Angers in their opener. And um, watch out for Munir Shea. So I think for Bordeaux, the aim this season is generally just to be as uneventful as possible and try and regain a bit of stability. Because over the last few years, there's been a lot of turmoil, whether that's at board level, with the management, or just generally in a lot of our people with the squad. And a lot of it came to a head during lockdown, actually. Because we weren't too hard hit by COVID or anything. Um, Samuel Kalou, one of our wingers, uh, contracted it. But other than that, we only had we only had one case. And... Apart from that, the club came out with a controversial new badge that divided a lot of the fan base. Uh, the ultras are still protesting against the club owners and especially against the president Frédéric Longuepé. So generally, there was a lot of turmoil at the club. Um, Souza, Paolo Souza, our former manager, wanted to leave. Uh, he wanted to be fired so he could pick up the final his final paycheck, but obviously the board didn't want to. And in the end, he decided to stay. But he was fired anyway, so that was uh, that was our end of the season really. So we took on board um, 
our former assistant manager during our title winning season back in 2009 uh, Jean-Louis Gasset to, uh, to take on the, um, the manager role and I mean this summer we had we've, we've got a pretty limited transfer budget so realistically our squad isn't going to be strengthened much more than it already has apart from potentially a new left back or a replacement for uh, François Camano who left to Lokomotiv Moscow and I think really we saw in the performance against Nantes that even though we were out to 10 men we played quite well because I think this season we are going to be focused on having a cohesive defensive unit rather than having any sort of real attacking nous. I mean, we saw uh, Gas's system is a 4-3-3 where he hasn't really got the attack clickings right so far. He is he is depending a lot on just the experience that we've got in defence to try and get us through games. I think in terms of players to look out for, uh, personally I would pick out Ruben Pardo. He's a Spanish midfielder who we brought in last year and he's the one who's got the technical side who can really help us tick and really just unlock games I would say. Other than that I would say Laurent Koscielny obviously he's, he was, he's been named captain and I mean, he's going to be the one who's going to sort of the lead the defence alongside um, Bolves. And obviously we've got a lot of young talents in the squad just spread out across different positions. I mean the main one is Josh Madger who looks like he's going to have a bigger role in the Gassi. He's shown he can do well, he had a, he had a hat-trick against Nîmes last season but he was sparsely used by Souza. So I think this season is going to be his year, really. Just up from Bordeaux, you have the Pays de la Loire region of France. Its two candidates in Ligue 1 this season are Angers and Nantes. And for those teams respectively, it's Thomas Wiseman and Eric Devin. The Covid lockdown was worn in a long line of shockwaves to hit Angers in 2020. From sexual assault claims against the president to the suspension and subsequent dismissal of the long-standing sporting director, whose less-than-clean ways operating were beginning to be exposed. A whole eight months of instability and bad press for a club that appeared quite steady. Angers head into the 2020-2021 season with months of scandal behind the scenes in their wake. However, most of the players and staff have continued to display the very human and down-to-earth qualities that has always been associated with the club. Apart from the Algerian winger El Malali, who's been displaying himself in the very real sense and is now facing the consequences. Lescaux had a five-year plan when they were promoted to maintain success and status as a league and club and then look to progress further. Well, we're five years on, but I suspect 2020 will have significantly disrupted this next step. So for now, a comfortable mid-table position will probably be the aim. Coach Stefan Moulon enters his 10th year at the helm and will still rely upon the club's old guard of veteran 30-something-year-olds, apart from Ludovic Boutel, who's no longer the number one, after Paul Bernardoni's record signing of 7 million euros. How long is it sustainable for? All these veterans at the club still playing lots of minutes. With only one veteran replaced, it looks like the club is holding out a little longer. The critical question yet to be answered is who will replace Baptiste Santamaria? He was the most important player last season and has an exit voucher agreement with the club dependent on one of Europe's bigger sides meeting the supposed 50 million euro asking price. Nobody has yet matched that fee. A key cog in protecting a central defence partnership that now averages 33 years old, how Angers replaced this sentinel is vital to their success for the upcoming campaign. Farid El Malali suffered with injury issues last season, but showed promise with three goals in just over 300 minutes in Liga. It's not the ideal preparation for his season, as he faces two charges of sexual exhibition for acts committed in March, April and May, for which he is all pled guilty to, and will appear in court in November. The young Algerian provides an electric energy and unpredictability to his game that Angers sometimes lack in forward areas. With late runs into the box, tricky movement and incessant pressing, often his specialty. He still has room to work on his decision-making and interplay with teammates, however. Andre supporters will hope that he can fix his issues off the pitch so he can focus on the game in hand. The Paradou Academy graduate is still unknown in terms of how he'll fare this season, but 
It could be a weapon that the opposition doesn't spot coming. I think Nantes have already showed us some of what this season will be like, given their goalless draw in the opening match of the season where they faced 10 men Bordeaux for more than an hour, but were unable to break down uh, their Derby Deathlandique rivals. Uh, Nantes will play with great organization, but um, a lot of exciting young talent, including Ludovic Bois, Imran Luza, and Marcus Coco. But I think that the problem with this team is going to be goals, as it has been in recent seasons. Ever since the departure and unfortunate death of Emiliano Sala, Nantes have struggled to have a striker that is able to put the ball in the back of the net consistently, uh, despite sending considerable sums by their means uh, on the likes of Khalifa Koulibaly and Renard Aymond. Uh, they have yet to find a striker that has, has that level of consistency. They've gotten decent performances from the likes of Moses Simon on the wing and, and Bly as well on, on the opposite flank. But if unless this team can figure out a way to get better service to Koulibaly or to get a, a forward that can find the net consistently, they're going to struggle. Um, they have a fine defense uh, with Fabio and Charles Traore back, back fit, and Nicola Palwa and the converted defense midfielder Andre Girotto, as well as the young goalkeeper Alba Mafon, who had a decent return to Ligue 1 last season after arriving on loan from Fiorentina. But it's going to be a challenging season, I think, on the on the whole for not. They haven't been terribly active in the window. Their main signing has been uh, Pedro Chirivella, a young Spaniard who has been playing with Liverpool's reserves for the last few years and has a good eye for a pass. Uh, some have compared him in the past to Xavi Alonso, but I, I think for someone who's 23, not to have had even a flicker of chance at the first team, and I know Liverpool do have a fantastic team, I think really says something about his quality. Maybe he's of a, of a standard that he can make an impact in Liga and, and show that he would, would have been deserving of a chance had he stayed in Liverpool, but I think the fact that this is their main signing really says a lot about the club and their ambitions. It's disappointing to see you know, Nantes are one of France's best supported clubs. There's always a boisterous atmosphere there, even in even with reduced crowds, as we'll be, we will be seeing uh, likely for the most of this season. But it's it's proves to be a challenging season for for Nantes. I think that uh, they're going to be tough to break down. They also signed uh, Jean-Charles Cazzoletto from Brest as a as another defender, giving some depth there. But I think that by and large, to see this club push for anything more than a mid-table finish would be really, really surprising. And uh, it's disappointing, but uh, I think that it's going to be needs must for Christian Gorkouf and his players to find a level of success, if not survival, in Ligue 1 this season. We are going to go even more north now to the region of Hauts-de-France, represented by Lon and Lille. It should have also been Amiens, but here on GFFN we are not bitter, so I hope Ligue 1 looks forward to Serhu Grassi tearing up the league again next season. Oh wait, what's that? Oh, Grassi's away. He's gone to Rennes. Oh. Oh. Oh, well, anyway, here's Ben McNichol with Lon and Kale Stockwell with Lille. Believe it or not, Lens were actually champions of France as recently as 1997-98. And this season, they will rejoin the French elite for the first time in five years following their promotion from League 2 last season. Lens regularly recorded one of the country's highest weekend attendances last season, despite being in League 2, and they remain one of France's most historic and well-supported clubs. It's fair to say that over the last couple of months that Lens have hoovered up some of the second division's best talent and they look well prepared for their return to the top flight and boast a deep squad which is full of youth and experience. They spent £10 million on central midfielder Seko Fofana, breaking their transfer record by nearly double to sign the Ivorian from Serie A side Udinese. It comes as a bit of a surprise at the same time because they've already got the more than capable Yannick Kahushak and the promising Czech Decore already in midfield. Gil Kakuta is an exciting signer for Lens and his return has a small ring of romantic around it. He came through the same youth academy at Lens as Serge Aurier and Raphael Varane before departing for Chelsea where unfortunately for him he failed to break into the first team. It must be said though that Kakuta at his best is a player with more talent than most of the bottom half sides in Ligue 1 and he could be pivotal to this team staying up this season. He seemed to have his happiest and most successful time on the pitch last season while playing with Amiens in Ligue 1. The concern for me though with Lens is that this team has not got a lot of top flight experience outside of Leica and Kahujic 
Much of this side is featured solely in League 2 or abroad and when they have played in League 1 or League 2 they've not had very much success. Another concern for me is the management. The club made the decision to sack Fleet Montana, an experienced manager and one who'd done very well with Lens in late February and replaced him with Frank Heiss who is certainly well regarded in French football but this is his first permanent job and you, you've got to wonder if that if they step up to League 1 in his first season could be their outdoing this season. Another concern for Lens this season is their lack of a proven striker. In Lens' most recent spell in League 1, they, they played some very good football but simply lacked the finishing touch and they were eventually made to pay for that by getting relegated. It was deja vu actually last weekend when they played against Nice. They had 17 shots compared to Nice's 4 and they somehow lost the game 2-1. They were punished for missing their chances. As I said earlier, Lens have been unafraid to spend money this summer. However, the money has also been put down on the table by some of their rivals, such as Lorient, and the experience of the well-established clubs in Ligue 1, such as Mets and Nantes, means that survival for Lens, even via the playoffs this season, would be considered a successful season. And we all can't wait to see the Derby du Nord as well return this season. The abrupt end to the 2019-20 Liga season was cruel for Lille, who wound up finishing fourth, a single point behind Rennes for the final Champions League place. The club had gotten off to a slow start, but manager Christophe Galtier righted the ship partway through the season. Les Dog had rattled off six wins in their final seven matches prior to the coronavirus-imposed stoppage. The club will have to take solace in qualifying for the Europa League in 2021. The offseason has been accompanied by a now familiar flurry of transfer activity. Some big names have already departed in the shape of star striker Victor Osimhen, who moved to Napoli for a fee of $70 million, set to reach $80 million with bonuses, while standout 22-year-old centre-back Gabriel is reported to be joining Arsenal for the comparatively modest fee of $30 million. Rumours also swirl around the potential departure of Jonathan Ikone and fullback Zeki Selic. Of course, sporting director Luis Campos has been doing some buying of his own bringing in promising youngsters Isaac Lahaji and Angel Gomsch on free transfers from Marseille and Manchester United, respectively. Former Ajax centre-back Sven Botman arrived on loan with a purchase obligation of $8 million next season, and so too did veteran striker Barak Yilmaz, arriving from Besiktas on a free. But the crown jewel of Campos' summer spree is no doubt Canadian international and Belgian Pro League starlet Jonathan David. The striker was purchased for $30 million and comes with high expectations. All this selling and spending came after Lille pled their case to the French football's financial gendarme, the DNCG, as the club continues to wrestle with debts that were a function of overspending, particularly during former manager Marcelo Bielsa's tenure. Of course, a lot has changed since Marcelo Bielsa departed and Gelche took over in 2017. The last two seasons have seen Lille finish second and fourth, and expectations will be for the club to once again challenge at the top of the Liga table. Despite something of a revolving door in terms of transfers, Lille look poised to finish in line with expectations. The club has a solid base on which to work, starting with goalkeeper Mike Magnon, who has been a stalwart at the back. Similarly, in midfield, the duo of Benjamin Andre and Renato Sanche proved to be one of the league's best last season. Not to mention the impressive figure, should he too not depart on a transfer, of Bubakari Sumare on the bench. Gelche has had to wrestle with a litany of new arrivals every season since he joined the club, and has shown an ability to bet in a variety of offensive talents while staying true to a rock-solid defensive philosophy. His knack for getting players to buy into the defensive side of the game while they work out the offensive phase has served him well and isn't expected to change this season. One player Gelche will hope to bet in quickly is Jonathan David. The young forward is undoubtedly one to watch this season, a supremely intelligent striker capable of playing anywhere across the front line, including in a shadow striker position. The Canadian's deft runs, ice-cold finishing, and selfless play became a hallmark of his game in Belgium, and something he'll hope to carry over to Ligue 1. The injury-prone American international Timothy Weah also looks to finally be on his way back into the side. Still only 20, Weah is brimming with potential and in desperate need of regular game time in an injury-free season. He could be an X-factor for Lille this campaign. On the defensive side of the ball, 20-year-old Thiago Giallo played in only eight matches last season, but performed admirably and could be given more looks this year backing up Botman. 20-year-old Domagoj Bradovic was a revelation at left fullback until his 2019-20 season was interrupted by injury. The former Hayduk split youngster is worth keeping an eye on. Let's now go over to the northeast of France, where Strasbourg and Metz like to battle it out. 
For those teams, we've got Clinton McDubus and Jeremy Smith. Strasbourg have been one of the worst hit clubs in France with respect to COVID-19. Perhaps even Europe. Uh, they recorded nine cases during the COVID break and their preparations for the new season were badly affected by it. Now, after returning from the lockdown, they played a friendly against Nîmes, which they won 1-0. But problems started to arise from their next friendly four days later. This friendly came in late July and it was against Montpellier. They won the game 2-1, but it was soon discovered that Montpellier had a new COVID case in Florent Mollet. It was Montpellier's fifth COVID case and they were very upset with Strasbourg because they felt that Strasbourg did not rigorously test their players immediately before the game based on the protocols agreed on. Uh, Strasbourg recorded five cases of COVID-19 soon after and they had to cancel friendlies against Aguineur, uh, Nancy and Dijon. And then a week later, they recorded another four cases. So they had to cancel another friendly against Rheim. So, uh, but just before the season started anyway, they recorded recoveries and went ahead to play one last friendly against Mets. Uh, they lost that 2-3. But all in all, their preparations for the new season were inadequate and it showed in their season opener against Lorient. They were all over the place and Lorient took them to the cleaners. Uh, I mean, Strasbourg played fewer friendlies than most of the Ligon clubs, so it was understandable because they, they, need, they will need time to settle into the new season and get their rhythm. Uh, they didn't make many signings as well, just Miami CB from Valenciennes uh, for 150,000 euros. Uh, Majid Wari's loan also became permanent, a permanent transfer for 2 million euros. After spending um, the past two seasons safely meetable and even qualifying for the Europa League via winning the cup in 1819, they will be hoping for a top half finish, surely. Perhaps even you know a finish in the European spots. Uh, the player to watch is definitely Ludovic Ajok, who has been majestic for them in the past year. Uh, he began the season with another impressive showing against Lorient, uh, delivering a really delicious assist to loan returning Mehdi Chahiri. Uh, it was an assist that showed all Ajok's good qualities from his exquisite touch to his older play to his intelligence and ingenuity. It was a brilliant assist. Uh, so expect a uh, 15 to 20 goal, goal plus assist season from him as well. And um, of course, impressive performances because he's all around a very impressive player. As a Mets fan, I find myself in a really weird position this this summer or this uh, sort of preseason in that I'm not actually feeling that kind of trepidatious about the season to come. Usually I'm, I'm either petrified that we're not going to get promoted from Ligue 2 or petrified that we're going to get relegated from Ligue 1. But I'm, I'm relatively confident that we're going to have a, a reasonably calm season this, this, this coming season. Um, last season started very slowly and we were sort of only kept from being left miles adrift at the bottom um, by all of... Um, Habib Diallo's goals and then 2020 actually went went really well um, we were one of the, the the form teams of the division and in a way we were kind of unfortunate actually that that the season ended when it when it did but still a 15th place finish considering that the turbulent last sort of 10-15 years or so is actually a, a, a really good showing for Mess. Um, we've also had a, a really good summer I think in terms of transfers we've brought in the likes of Wagner Diaz, even though he's injured, um, Kevin and Doram, who signed permanently after a loan last year, even though the same week he signed, he got a serious injury. Um, we've secured Vincent Pajot, who um, was a big part of the of our change in form last year. Um, and then also other players like Chimpembe and, and Kiki Kuyate from Troyes. Um, Kuyate in particular, I'm very excited about. It's great to have... Um, more strength and depth at centre back, and I think he's a he's a really talented player and a really goal scoring defender as well, which which is an added bonus. Um, so I think we're we're well well set. We've got a really good settled squad. Um, the only big unknown is whether Habib Diallo is going to go, which he probably will, um, and if he does, where the goals are going to come from. Um, everyone is saying that they're, they're putting their faith in Ibrahim and Nian to, to replace him. Um, Nian has definitely got a lot of talent, 
probably more potential actually than Diallo ever showed but he's still very very hit and miss and to be honest a little bit more miss than hit most of the time so there's a big responsibility on him to to step up and and fill Diallo's boots if he can do that and if he can get more goal scoring support from those around him um you know for example um Ambrose who we signed permanently from Manchester City didn't score at all last season um we like him we work he works very hard but we need to see some goals from him as well um if players like him can can you know support the workload and Diaz as well obviously then I think we can have another comfortable season and hopefully without worrying about relegation we can maybe go on a nice cup run um, I think it's also a huge bonus even though it's kind of in sad circumstances that um, Frederick Antonetti um, will be a little, lot more, more involved he was our coach um, he had to, to to resign because his wife was very ill sadly she passed away but he has been more involved in the summer in his sort of general manager role so I think he'll help Onion um, as a coach and, and hopefully that will um, help the team on the whole in terms of players to watch I think um, Farid Belaya is always a, an exciting but frustrating player but has had a really good pre-season so far um, but I think Wagner Diaz is the, is the one that we're all looking forward to when he comes back from his injury um, didn't break through at Saint-Étienne, did really well at Messi's rivals Nancy, but that was in Ligue 2. If he can transform that form into to Ligue 1, then we've got a really exciting left winger on our hands who hopefully can um, weigh in with his share of goals and also provide a lot of ammunition for Nian. So quietly confident and no doubt in May I'll be back on here in tears um, lamenting our latest relegation. Because of my awful organisational skills, we're going to pair together two teams that are absolutely nowhere near each other in France. Here's Pierre-Paul Birmingham with Rams and Jake Smales with Brest. This is going to be a terrifically exciting season for Stade de Reims. And not least because the club from the Champagne region have qualified for a European Cup for the first time in 57 years. They will have to make it through three preliminary rounds, however, to access the Europa League group stage. But everything is going according to plan in Reims. In fact, the five-year plan, which was released in 2015, while they were still in Ligue 2, presented the objective of qualifying for Europe in 2020, and Reims have quietly become a role model among Ligue 1 clubs for its good governance. Not even the coronavirus pandemic and the early finish of Ligue 1 could disrupt Reims' forward thinking. The club was in sufficiently good enough financial standing to conduct its transfer business proactively, without having to wait for the unknowns of the new calendar and new TV deal to be resolved. Younes Abdelhamid, who played every minute of Ligue 1 football two seasons in a row, agreed to renew his contract and stay on. Other promising players, such as Nathanael Mbuku, Marshall Munetzi or Moreto Kasama were also renewed. But the real coup for Reims was the signing of Valon Berisha from Lazio, a project they had been working on for almost two years. The two best footballers from the small nation of Kosovo now play for Reims, the other being Arber Zanelli. Meanwhile, the departures of Hassan Kamara to Nice and especially of Axel Dizazi to Monaco had been planned and budgeted and Reims successfully obtained the sums they were expecting. The big question this season is whether David Guillaume will manage to maintain the defensive solidity of his team for a third season in a row in Ligue 1. That has truly been the foundation of their playing style since promotion. Will they be able to maintain the motivation for those efforts, or inversely, might they become over-reliant on that defence? In the first match of the season against Monaco, Reims only held 20% of possession, which will not be a sustainable way of playing all season long. However, the first 20 minutes of that match also showed the attacking potential that Reims has amassed through their astute recruitment from smaller foreign leagues. You will probably be hearing a lot about striker Elvi Laltouré, who arrived from Mali in January and at only 18 looks like a household name in the making. But he is just one example of that recent recruiting abroad. There were also Derek Kutessa from the Swiss League, Marshall Munetzi from South Africa, Kai Sierhuis from the Dutch League, just like Zanelli, or the defender Wout Faes 
from Belgium. All in all, Reims are likely to once again be a thorn in the side of the bigger clubs in Ligue 1, but it will be a challenge to improve on that sixth place from last season. Hi everyone, this is Jake from GFFN. I hope you're all enjoying the podcast so far and that you're all doing well. Um, today I'm going to be talking to you about Stade Brestois. So to fill you in on what's been going on at the club recently, they had a relatively quiet lockdown period. In early April, general manager Pascal Robert eased any tensions when he said that the club would be one of the least financially impacted by the pandemic. Um, and the season ending early was uh, kind of suited them because it confirmed uh, their survival, which looked likely anyway. Uh, since then, uh, they've had some more disappointing occurrences. Uh, Captain Mathias Sautré, who had fallen down the pecking order, has left for Auxerre in Ligue 2 at the end of his contract, which is still a blow. And more worryingly, key man Johan Kaur, who was the joint second uh, assister in the league last season with seven assists, has uh, left at the end of his contract following a disagreement over an extension. Um, they haven't had the strongest transfer window. To their chagrin, they look set to sign prolific Clermont striker Adrian Gerbich, only for him to move to bitter rivals Lorient. Um, defender Jean-Charles Castilleto also left for Nantes on a free, which was a blow. However, the signing of Nice defender Christophe Erel over Celtic seems a real coup. Um, Erel missed the first match of the se season against Nîmes with the coronavirus, but he should be back in the group for the next game. Uh, they've also strengthened in defence with Ronéel Pierre-Gabriel, uh, formerly of Monaco and Saint-Étienne, um, who should bring some quality to the right-back position. Uh, and perhaps more significantly, they've signed promising young midfielder Romain Fevre from Monaco, where his career had stalled slightly. In terms of my players to watch, Irvan Cordona will be the key man up front for them again this season, while goalkeeper Gaultier Lassonneur um, at the other end proved himself to be um, one of the best young goalkeepers in Europe last season um, and one of the best, very best in Liga. Um, but my one to watch is 21-year-old midfielder Ibrahima Diallo, um, who will surely be on his way to bigger and better things soon. In terms of the new signings, my pick of the bunch, uh, given Balolio's penchant for more attack-minded football, um, with an emphasis on wing play, is winger Eriberto Tavares from Benfica. Um, the winger was on loan at Bervista in the Portuguese top flight last season, um, and I'm sure he'll do well. Uh, so finally, the club's objective this season. Last season, they finished 14th, which was comfortably lower mid-table in the end when the, se when the season got called off. Um, and they'll perhaps be looking to consolidate their lower mid-table finish. Uh, but a second top flight season is always tough. And it remains to be seen how they will do, um, given that they've lost a couple of experienced players and defender Denis Bain is injured. Uh, so I think survival has to be the goal, especially after a catastrophic 4-0 opening day defeat to Nîmes. Um, I do think they will have enough quality to make it, but it will be a difficult season for them. Just south of Brest lie Lorient and Rennes, two teams that are some of my favourites in France in terms of their upcoming seasons and what's in store for them, what with Les Merlus' recent promotion and Rennes' third place finish last season. Here's Adrien Drill with Lorient and Grant Maitland with Rennes. Lorient's 2019-2020 season ended up in the most particular way. For the first time in their history, they were crowned Ligue 2 champions due to the coronavirus crisis, leading the authorities, the French authorities, to stop the, the league after 28 games. And so the Brittany club earned a deserved and automatic promotion to Ligue 1, three years after leaving it. Um, the virus clearly impacted Lorient, at least economically, and in order to avoid any bankrupt, all the club's employees, including the players, uh, saw their salaries reduced as a part of a short-time working procedure. Apart from that, Lorient's lockdown calmness was kind of disrupted when the news broke out in April that their chairman, the French businessman Loïc Ferry, had contracted the virus. Hopefully, now he's okay. The club's um, objective, as the chairman uh, stated in an interview, uh, for the season are fairly simple, is to stay in Ligue 1 and establish the club in Ligue 1 for a long period and for the upcoming seasons. Um, under the management of Christophe Pellissier, Lorient could well succeed in, um, in maintaining themselves in the first division. Um, they showed 
a great uh, state of mind in Ligue 2, some great resilience uh, by first and, and foremost managing to win the battle for the first place uh, against Lens. So this state of mind could be very uh, could be an asset for them in Ligue 1. Also, they were the highest scoring team in Ligue 2 uh, with 45 goals and um, started their Ligue 1 uh, comeback journey with a 3-1 win over Strasbourg uh, that proved that they still had this attacking, attacking-minded philosophy implemented by uh, Christian Gourcuff. So to wrap it up, they've been active on the transfer market. Indeed, they started by... Um, Definitely, and once and for all, selling Ilan Melier to Bielsa's uh, Leeds United after having loaned him out uh, there the past season. They also welcomed um, several interesting players. Uh, Chelsea's youth academy midfielder Trevor Shaloba and um, above everything else, uh, they've welcomed Adrian Gerbich, the Australian striker from Clermont who impressed a lot uh, in Ligue 2 last season. He joined the club for 9 million euros this summer. And uh, he's definitely the player I would keep an eye on. He's a tall but very skillful striker, capable of holding up the play and providing assists and even scoring free kicks. Um, Well, he's already scored his first goal on Sunday uh, against Strasbourg. And so he's definitely the one you should keep an eye on. Off the back of a historic 2019-20 season in which the club qualified for the Champions League for the first time in its 119-year history, Stade René looked poised for another exciting Ligue 1 season. The last six months have seen quite a few changes at the club, beginning with the unexpected dismissal of largely popular president Olivier Letton in February. While the club did not publicly delve into the reasoning behind Letton's dismissal, Much was made in the aftermath of the reportedly difficult relationship he had with favored young manager Julien Stéphane. In replacing Letton, Rennes tapped Nicolas Olvec from AS Monaco while restructuring their board to bring in Florian Maurice from Lyon as sporting director. Still new to their roles, Olvec and Maurice have acted swiftly to build upon the successes that their predecessor oversaw. Maurice, previously the recruitment manager at Lyon, dipped into his pool of established contacts to sign young attacker Martin Tallier from OED for an initial 12 million euros. The talented 23-year-old was never quite able to establish himself as a regular starter under Rudy Garcia, but looks to be a shrewd signing ahead of what will be a busy 2020-21 match schedule for Rennes. Coming into the summer, the most obvious point of weakness for Rennes was at the back. The problem had been papered over the season prior with the loan signing of former player Joris Daniel, but with Nagnon now back at his parent club Sevilla, it was evident that Rennes needed to bring in at least one new central defender. Enter 24-year-old Naya Fagard, who was signed from Dijon for an estimated 5 million euros. Naturally left-footed, Aguard brings quality to Rennes' centre-back pairing next to club captain Damien Da Silva. Alongside Terrier and Aguard, expect other names to sign with Negrouge Noir before the end of this summer window. At the time of recording, Amiens striker Seahu Guyassi looks certain to reinforce Rennes' attack for an estimated 12 million euro transfer fee, while the Breton club has also been linked to a host of other centre-back options. For Rennes, perhaps the most important decision this summer was one made by Wilo Camavinga, who announced that he will be staying at the club this season. The 17-year-old starlet is undoubtedly the player to watch in this Rennes side, as he showed in his game-changing 26-minute cameo against European rivals Lille on August 22nd. Recently awarded the number 10 shirt, Kamavinga provided an assist and dazzled with his flair, close control, and ball progression. With an ambitious, restructured board and a consistent, reinforced squad, Ren will be expected to remain in and around the top six this season. The aforementioned Champions League qualification will of course mean that the Breton side will have its attention pulled in many different directions, but it would be a certain disappointment if Ren failed to qualify for Europe this year. Regarding the ever-changing status of coronavirus within Ligue 1, Rennes reported three suspected positive cases on August 24th, after one confirmed positive case on the 20th. More recently, the club announced that there will be no further public communications concerning testing and subsequent results.
For this last little section of the pod, I thought I'd take us down to the sunny southern shores of France, typified by the baking hot Colonque of Marseille and the rich beaches of Monaco. For those colossals, we've got Moali and Jeremy Smith. So this is going to be a difficult season, it might seem, for OM because of the false start um, in connection with the couple of active cases of coronavirus in Marseille. Um, and that's led to the postponement of two, well, at least one league game um, and the option of a second. So they might not even start the season before September, the earliest. Um, but the season does bring the rewards of last season's um, efforts, which is primarily the Champions League qualification. And so far, as of this recording, um, there have been no major departures, which is um, a bonus, but obviously might hinder OM's financial ambitions going forward. The Champions League begins in earnest in mid-October, um, and the likelihood is that they'll be faced with um, a very, very difficult draw, thereby um, limiting their chances of qualifying for the last 16 and added financial revenue. But this season um, is... OM, as according to um, the the president and the the management at OM, is the second step um, where they've now qualified for the Champions League and the aim is to qualify into the top three every single year. And I think for the first time in a while that this year, there's no favourite for second place behind Paris Saint-Germain. You have Marseille at this point who on paper should be able to consolidate their position with everyone still around with any addition of signings Alvaro Gonzalez on the permanent deal, Pap Gay and Leonardo Bellardi from Dortmund. So and you know that that should be uh, the case. Obviously Leon have also um had their Champions League run. They're crucially not in Europe this year, but they are likely to sell one or two players. So that might hinder their ability to finish the top uh, three um, and Monaco and Lille are you know there or thereabouts for now and neither have really kicked on in the summer transfer window um, you know Lille for example selling uh, Victor Ossiman who was very very good last season um, and uh, Jonathan David well we'll have to see how he gets on um, for Marseille obviously the the benefit um, will be having Florian Tolvan back he was out for most of last year, the vast majority of last year. So having him back will definitely feel like an additional signing. There's still some um, squad depth that needs to be sorted out. Stev Mandanda will remain in goal for the 14th uh, year at OM, um, having signed a new contract earlier this week. And there remains to be um, little versatility and left-back Jordan Amavi, the only um, first-team player in that position. Um, so we might have to see uh, Bunasar or Hiroki Sakai um, have to deputise on that front as well. Um, obviously, it remains to be seen. We are roughly five to six weeks outside of the transfer window closing and remains to be seen how uh, the time that's still yet to come will change Marseille's season objectives. But the goal is to qualify for the Champions League again and to make a good run of it in the group stage of this year. And I think that's very attainable. As usual, Monaco have had a very disruptive summer so far. Um, Obviously, the headline being the the sacking of of coach Roberto Moreno um, relatively late in the summer, um, obviously an extended summer this year as well, um, which seems a little bit harsh. He didn't do such a bad job last year and it was only um, a very late turnaround and a a late winner conceded against rivals Nice that actually prevented Monaco from qualifying for Europe in the end. Um, it wasn't the most exciting of seasons for them last year, but obviously after the the sort of near miss of the year before, almost getting relegated, it was it was a a big improvement. Um, so I think it's harsh that he wasn't given another chance. But at least there does seem to be a little bit more sort of forward planning um, going forwards. Um, I think probably of all the players that are going to come and go, probably the biggest signing was actually bringing in Paul Mitchell as a sporting director. I think that's that's the thing that's been massively missing from Monaco the last two or three years. Um, he's obviously got a very good pedigree, um, both in England and then recently with the Red Bull teams. And bringing in Niko Kovac, obviously he didn't have a fantastic experience at Bayern, but um, there is a quality coach there who's still got a lot to prove. So I think the two of them, if they can work together, really will get Monaco back on on, on a good ground. 
Um, you look at the, the the squad they've got at the moment. They've got rid of a lot of their older players. Um, there's pretty much no one left from their from their title winning team of only three years ago. Um, but they've got um, the the team that they put out the first match of the season the other day was actually a very young team on average. Um, obviously, players like Ben Yedder push up the average a little bit, but there's a lot of young talents in there, not least the centre-back pairing, who, who had an interesting debut, sort of both being at fault for the goals and then scoring the two goals to, to um, bring them back and, and get a draw in that match. Um, and I think this season may well follow that kind of formula, giving these young players a chance. It's not all going to go swimmingly. I know that... Um, Oleg Petrov, the, the vice president, is obviously um, still aiming for the top five places. And I think um, they could well get a place in the Europa League. But the crucial thing, I think, is that now it looks like there's a bit of a long-term vision there. Hopefully with, with a lot of these young players, whether it's De Sazi and Badia Shile, Churameni or Fafano, who came in in January. Um, and obviously the, the, young, the young strikers, if they can stay fit, Goebbels and, and Pellegri, who we've been waiting for for, for a while now. Um, if all these these players can can sort of bed in, if they can work well with the the nice balance of more experienced players like Lecon, Tagelar, Golovin, players like that, um, then I think we can see good things from Monaco this year. And certainly, if no one loses their heads as they have done the last two or three years, then I'm hoping that that sort of um, over the next two or three years. Um, there's more of a, again, I hate to use the word, but more of a sort of project and a vision that Monaco can, can get back to fighting to the top places. And in terms of the star player to watch, I mean, Ben Yedder is obviously the star if he stays. But for me, I'm really excited to see um, Willem Goebbels, if, if he manages to stay fit. He's learning from a top striker in, in Ben Yedder. Um, we've been waiting for so long now to, to see him burst onto the scene. And I'm hoping that... Um, if he can avoid injuries, then then um, really we can really see what he's made of this year. Three more teams from the south of the country to wrap us up now. It's Adam White with Nîmes, Pierre-Paul Birmingham with Montpellier and Tony Thomas with the funky name to talk about Patrick Vieira's niece. Since their return to Ligue 1 two seasons ago, Nîmes have been a difficult team to place. On paper, they've invariably looked like a top-end Ligue 2 team, with few experienced or top-quality, top-flight additions made since their promotion. But thanks to coach Bernard Blackart, an attacking, even gung-ho style, saw them storm into the top half in their first season back in Ligue 1. However, last season was much more difficult, after the losses of key players Denis Buwanga to Sinetienne and Salatiyub to Angers. In particular, the departure of arguably the league's best player throughout the 18-19 season in Teji Savernia was impossible to mitigate for a club of their size. As a result, Nîmes struggled and finished in what would have been the relegation playoff spot last season, but thanks to the cancellation, they avoided what would have been a tricky tie with an in-form Ajaxio. Like many lower-end league and size, Nîmes were kept afloat by astutely mining Ligue 2 for players, and attacking midfielder Zinedine Fairhart from Le Havre, as well as league and old by Roman Folipotu from Auxerre, alongside young Bordeaux midfielder Yassine Benrahu were key. This season, the major losses have come in the shape of keeper Paul Bernardoni to Angers, who has been quietly superb for Nîmes since their promotion, and in coach Blackheart, whose disagreements with the club hierarchy had rumbled on throughout much of last season. Although, as their 4-0 demolition of Brest showed on the opening day, Blackheart's old assistant and now the manager, Jerome Arpinon, is going to continue to attack. Other than Bernardoni, he's kept last season's team pretty much intact and made a couple of astute signings. Inexperienced Toulouse goalkeeper Baptiste Reynet, who, despite an average season with TSC last year, was nominated for the UNFP Keeper of the Year award when with Dijon previously, and Norwegian international left-back Berger Meeling, who proved influential against Brest with a goal and an assist inside of his first 30 minutes in Ligue 1. Despite that win, for now, Nîmes and Arpinon will look only to survive, given their relative lack of resources as one of the league's smaller clubs, and would probably happily take 17th. But if they keep playing like they did against Brest, they'll be a great watch again this year and will hope for much better than just avoiding relegation. It has been a frustrating and frightful few months for Montpellier, who haven't gotten any closer to building their much-desired new stadium while also suffering high-profile cases of COVID-19. In April, 
Junior Sambia was among the first Ligue 1 players known to be contaminated and had to be hospitalized because of his critical condition. There were more fights from Montpellier later in the summer too, when several Strasbourg players tested positive just a few days after a friendly between the two teams, or in the last few days before the league season started, when key players Florent Mollet and Andy Delors also tested positive. Speaking of Delors, he was the one who jokingly suggested he'd have to learn English after Montpellier signed a 22-year-old Englishman from Juventus, Steffi Mavididi. A former Arsenal player, Mavididi was loaned out last year to Dijon, where he showed some promise in a mostly disappointing season for that club. Mavididi will bring some competition to the strike duo already in place, Andy Delors and Gaëtan Laborde. Supported by midfielders Florent Mollet and Tégis Savanier, the club's attacking force was particularly enjoyable to watch last season, though. Each of those four players have turned out to be very good signings for Montpellier, and don't necessarily have the profile to fit in a bigger club, which is excellent news, as we get to see them stay for this season again. In other good news, 42-year-old Vitorino Hilton, a staunch and ever-present figure in defence for the past nine years now, signed yet another one-year extension. In his own words, he said he was the first footballer to sign a contract with a mask on. However, Montpellier's defensive record started to slip last season a little bit, and it will be interesting to see whether Michel de Zacharian can reinstore that solidity this year. Another key issue for Montpellier this summer was the hunt for a new goalkeeper. After Benjamin Leconte's departure last summer, they had signed Geronimo Rulli from Real Sociedad, but only on a one-year loan. After much deliberation this summer, the Southerners finally settled on Jonas Omelin from Basel as their new choice. For three seasons now, under Michel de Zacharian, Montpellier have at times flirted with Europa League spots during the season, but failed to hold on to that precious qualification. Once again, this will be the goal this season. But for a team like Montpellier, that can be described as one of the best mid-table teams in Ligue 1, qualifying for Europe may depend more on how many big clubs have a bad season, rather than any outstanding achievement of their own. Nice is an interesting club to try to forecast this year uh, for a Ligue 1 finish. Personally, I've always kind of seen them as a top five club, even when they weren't, when they had those up and down years. To me, there are certain clubs, when they do better, the league on table is more exciting. Ligue 1 as a whole is better. Those are the Marseilles, the Lyons, the Nices. When Nice and Monaco and PSG were really battling it out for that league uh, title a few years back, it was one of the best years for the table and for the championship. And Ineos might be the perfect group to get Nice to that consistency. They've already been able to uh, put together one of the most exciting young front threes in the league, which is saying something in Ligue 1. Bringing in the Aguirre and a Lopez, a proven star in Ligue 1 which Vieira may decide to use creatively as a number 10 or in the midfield, especially if we see this relationship of Doberg and Guerrieri uh, blossom and turn into something special. Where I see uh, concern is in the defense. Dante was brought in to be a leader, um, still have a high level of play, and I still think he has those things. But you have to see some depth around him you would like to see someone else brought in uh to play next to him and speaking of exciting young players you have one of the most exciting young players in not only Ligon but in the world and Youssef Attal who unfortunately suffers from periodic injury so I would like to see someone brought in that uh can you know maintain a solid level might not be uh, the Atal level, but a solid level of play when he's injured or if he decides to depart at some point. So we'd like to see that. But I have seen reports to bring in a um, uh, another center back. So if we see this continued effort to strengthen where it makes sense, then you could really see this project continue to climb over the Ligue 1 season and even blossom uh, during the second portion of the season. So if we see those things happen, I could see uh, Nice really shooting for a 
top three finish uh, internally. Now, realistically, I think that's probably a top five finish, and that's probably where I would put them at that fifth spot. However, if they don't bring in that help on defense and the midfield can't maintain possession because they don't have a real number eight and a ball winner, you could see them fall out of that top five, which would be very unfortunate because I really think they uh, they have a great project and an exciting project, which is ultimately great for Liga. And that wraps us up. Thank you very much for listening to this season preview. If you're looking for more information on all things French football and English ahead of the season, which just got underway last week, you can go to the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com or alternatively, you can find us on Twitter at GFFN. You can also check out our recent periodical that we brought out called The Modern Footballer. It's got a lot of youth profiles and articles on the biggest teams like like Sevilla. Sevilla actually had one of my favourite articles in it just talking about how they've worked with their transfers recently and how Monchi's kind of ran the club and it worked really well for them as they just won a Europa League. Uh, in terms of youth profiles, this edition looked at Martin Odegaard, Timo Werner, Ryan Cherky, Saliba, Werner, Havertz. I even had an article on Josh Maja at Bordeaux. If you're looking to get yourself a copy, you can find on Twitter at Modern Ball Mag, that's at Modern Ball Mag, or you can find it on the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com slash magazine. Once again, I've been Lewis McParlin. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.